0: you just have to be uh, very strong when you're a creative person you can't you you have you follow your own voice you follow your path and and you keep working that's that's what what i would say never never give up welcome to the stolen hours podcast
1: conversations with creatives from across the arts guests share what they create and the stories that have made them who they are today Season two still explores how artists use their stolen hours, but it also explores how we as creators create in order to heal and build community across the divide perpetuated by too many in politics, culture, and religion. The following is episode 56, The Portrait Painter, Serge Strasberg. All right. Today on the Stolen Arrows, we have Serge Strasberg, who was raised in the U.S. and in Europe. Um, He's received classical training at the prestigious Académie Julien um, in Paris and École Nationale Supérieure des Beaux Arts. I'm sure I butchered that. (laughs) In uh, 2008, he exhibited his work at the Felix Nussbaum Museum in Germany and the Musée des Pontiers Paris in Germany with Lucien Freud, Philip Perlstein, James Salteen, Alex Katz, and major group ex- exhibitions of realist painting. He's had solo exhibitions at the Lighthouse Art Center and Norton Sculpture Gardens, the Armory Art Center, and currently at the Cultural Council of Palm Beach. So i met him at Paul Larson Gallery, which is in Saddle River, New Jersey. Um, he was the highlighted artist of the evening and throughout that month. And uh, a friend of Paul's and uh, definitely someone Paul has supported. And honored to show his work. And so it was great to be out there to support Paul Larson Gallery and also to meet Serge. And so uh, from that moment on, um, just kind of kept in touch and been looking at his work, and he was willing to come on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming on. Welcome to the Solen
0: Hours, Serge. Thank you so much, Dennis, for having me.
1: Yeah, well, it's a pleasure. I, I Just looking at your bio, I was even looking at Wikipedia. You have quite a uh, just prolific art career, and uh, awesome to hear that that is your full-time gig and uh, would love to hear just kind of um, what you're currently working on. And um, I know that you're, you're driven by many commissions with this uh, realistic portraiture, but you also have these um, more passion projects, which are contemporary art, you know, really seeking to um, kind of combine the realism with expressionism styles and also uh, just trying to capture emotion. And uh, And ultimately, you can tell us more about that. So, so what are you currently working on in your studio so
0: i'm i'm working on a solo exhibition that will be exhibited in two venues uh, this season in palm beach it will be exhibited at the cultural council of palm beach county and then it will be exhibited at the historical society of palm beach Uh, you know and i'm very honored to to be exhibited in these two venues i'm doing a very special project for palm beach uh, but for America too, it's it's an exhibition about the Gilded Age, uh, you know, not the one percent, but the zero point zero 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 one percent. It's an exhibition where I'm I'm using vintage photographs that were provided to me by the Flagler Museum, of the Vanderbilts of Henry Flagler, who built a railroad in Florida and basically created Florida. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm making an, an analogy between the Roman Empire and Palm Beach and, you know, the center of wealth for or one of the big centers of wealth. And also maybe it was a political center with Donald Trump and Mar-a-Lago too. So oh. this is what I'm working on. I'm working on a very conceptual show, uh, modernizing old pictures of uh of the upper echelon of society from 1896 uh, and then transforming them with color and contemporary outfits. Uh, basically what I'm saying is that nothing has really changed. We still have a class, different classes. Sure. <laughs> and all the wealth is concentrated in one place or just a few places. And you know, most of the middle class is really left out. Nothing has changed since yeah. the Gilded Age. It may be a Gilded Age for some, but it's obviously not a Gilded Age for the majority. Sure. So that's what I'm working on. At the moment. So interesting.
1: so this sounds like, uh, kind of a, a project that was, 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 was given to you a little bit just by the location, uh, of where you are. Yeah. Um, was this, was this, um, a an ask, did they ask you to work with the, this content or you just discovered the content?
0: It's it's funny how it came. It came naturally. At first, I approached the Flagler Museum, which is very, you know, you know, very prestigious. It's very similar to the Frick Museum in New York mm. City. Uh, the Flagler Museum was the mansion of Henry Flagler, of you know, who was a, a billionaire, cof, co-founder of Standard Oil, and they've never done anything with a contemporary artist, and they still. I'm not sure they want to do something, but they did. (laughs) No, they did start a conversation and they did send pictures and they were very curious to see what I was going to do with them. And they're going to see what I did with it. Yeah. And, and I guess in the beginning, they didn't want me to, uh, to paint Henry Flagler and I'm a portrait artist. So it's, it's kind of ironic. And, of course, they didn't know that I was I was going to pay an homage to him. And as I always do, I don't I don't make caricatures of people. I, okay, yeah. I put them on a pedestal. They look better sure. than they ever did. But they didn't want me to in, initially. And but the director uh, was resigned or was fired. So eventually the show was accepted by the Culture Council. But I lost the conversation with the Flagler Museum which basically gave me free, the total freedom to do whatever I wanted. Uh, Okay. And, but I may still do something with the new director. I don't know when they see what I did, but the, the, the idea, the concept came naturally because they say, we don't want you to touch the image of Henry Flagler. And then they send me pictures. One of the pictures was a bust of, um, Caesar Augustus, one of the Roman emperors. Hmm. And then I thought, and they told me that he loved caesar and that the uh, captains of industry of that time admired the roman empire and they really thought america was becoming like the roman empire and the roman empire did some good things i mean they built roads they sure. they called it pacifying <laughs> you know <laughs> the world but you know they it was it was an empire i mean and and so the idea that's how the idea came. I thought I would make a comparison between Palm Beach, which is which is really elitist, which is only for a tiny, tiny part of the population, mm. very exclusive, and the Roman Empire in Rome. That's how the idea came. When I saw this bust and the admiration of people from the Gilded Age for the Roman Empire, you know, yeah. and wow. as a model for America... I, I thought of that and I would like to expand this and do something with wall street also with the same yeah. concept. Uh, cause I, I think it's a very interesting direction.
1: It's interesting. So, so you're, so you are willing to, to, to do the homage to the, the, uh, name namesake of the museum, which is, is, was, is a totally different mindset. Right. And then there's this conceptual idea of, you know, yeah. of, of, which is much more complex of, of like the complexity of history, right? So, so there's a real, um, gift there in being an artist. And I'm, I love that you were handed the keys by the cultural, um, center there just to do yeah. your, th- do your thing. And even the historical society, you know, in, in modern times, um, admits the complexity of history. So I'm sure they, they Absolutely. will appreciate yeah. your, your, your that, connections yeah. and the, the well, history think, of Florida
0: too. I think uh, Palm beach is interesting because it is it's changing no matter what Mm. even if it's very exclusive incredibly expensive uh not some people are not allowed to live there still today you know it's not official but it's obvious that you you don't see minorities there you don't you just don't see them however this is changing this 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 is changing little by little you see the people coming to palm beach going to dine out the clubs are joined by other people. There's more foreigners. Uh, there's more Jews on the island. You know, I mean, th- there's still not too many black people or Latinos, but this this is slowly will change. And eventually that's going to change like everything else, because yeah. you cannot live in the past no matter what you can. Yeah. yeah.
1: Interesting. So I, I love, um, you know, just, just hearing by your accent, I know you're not, uh from a, a being we were not born in america so i know the we i read in your bio just um belgium was the source but eastern europe is where you grew up as well so tell us a little bit about your history so i i, I guess what i mentioned is it's interesting to always hear um i guess the american critique from the outside. i think of uh, robert frank and his americans uh book you know I, I think he has such a great perspective from his own history um being swiss but also just coming to america and seeing it from you know the eyes of someone who was it from the outside but did you how much did you grow up in america how much were you in europe let's talk about your history a little bit so it's
0: complicated i my life is really is a is a zigzag because i i lived i mean i i was born in belgium but at the age of three my father uh, took a job at harvard as a as a professor of biochemistry. So we stayed in Boston for four years when I was little and I spoke American quotes, you know, I'm not going to say English (laughs) before I even spoke French. So that that was really my first language. But then we went back to Belgium. Then we went back to, we went to Paris where, where I really learned academics and I learned, you know, really the old school academics, which is a dream, I think for most artists. You know, to learn at the beaux Arts and every. then I went back to America, then I went to New York. um so it's it's a it's not simple, <laughs> but I' spent about a total of uh, in America, I must have spent more than twenty years in total twenty five years, and the rest in France and Belgium with with some trips, many trips to London where I also learned a lot about portraits and went a lot to the national portrait gallery uh to look yeah. from masters
1: It's so. great so it, so it's uh, you know just a real uh world-filled education um for, as in your art life too let's hear a little bit about that i i know uh just just reading on wikipedia something about uh you were a student of peter knapp so the photographer um, a Vogue magazine. So photography has always been, I guess, for you a, a source, even in the early days of your art, artist life, um, for sure in your paintings as well. But
0: let's let's hear a little bit about your education. So the Académie Julien, it's also called Esag, and it was called Penningen before. It's very famous. It had people like Gauguin. Um, uh, Bonnard went there, you know, mm-hmm. a century ago. But it became a graphic design and illustration school, and it's got It's very tough. They fail people every year. It's very selective. And you can't come back in. It's it's really a a tough system. But the nice thing is that it's a very wide and diverse curriculum. And you really learn everything from photography to um, calligraphy to uh, graphic design, illustration, Nude, nude sketching, and yeah. then you know, you, and design also industrial design. So it's really it's very very wide, wow. and and that is amazing for an artist to have you know to be able to touch everything. Yeah. And Peter Knapp was my teacher for one year uh, for photography, but I also had another guy named Frank Horvat who's very famous also. Yeah. And then I had a great teacher for graphic design, who was one of the first Polish um, poster designers. Uh, so I, it's really interesting, you know. I learned a lot, yeah. and there were no computers when I did when I was there. So that's yeah. also interesting. Learning graphic design without a computer is is quite is <laughs> quite a challenge, and it's quite different than from today you you're you have glue on your fingers all the time you're, you're <laughs> yeah. cutting pieces of paper uh it's not the same as today, <laughs> sure yeah, yeah. I, I know that my two d class
1: in high school was 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 yeah. a lot of the traditional graphic design techniques and uh but we were yeah. using pen and ink and drawing mm-hmm. the red lines on the edges and trying to get it ready for you know what would be print, yeah you know, back then so before the computers took over um so were you you were studying graphic design, it sounds like though the experience was so um just steeped with um you know just fine arts as well doing great, everything from figure drawing to to the more you know uh, mechanized commercial style things is that what it was
0: like a good combination I, of both I, I, I first really started after school what i started was um it, children book illustration and i actually wrote and and illustrated A a few books, and two of them were published. And one of them was a big hit. It was uh, about Darwinism explained to six-year-olds, and it's in many libraries in America. It's translated in five languages. Wow! It was the origin of *Species* for kids, like simplified, you know, in 64 pages. Yeah, the original is a thousand pages. So I started (laughs) as a as an illustrator and author. And then I made a few trips. I met a woman who became my agent who was working for Marlborough Gallery in London. Okay. And she, she suggested I start doing portrait commissions in London in uh, Hampstead. Yeah. And so I spent several summers there and I did get a lot of commissions in London from, from the early 2000s, like around 2004, 2005. And I... And that's how my portrait career really started by by doing these commissions in England, in Oxford, in London.
1: That's great. That's great. Yeah. So so from I guess the the book I found the name Kingdom of Dragons. Yes, um, about yeah, the uh, the one about Darwin. Darwin. Yeah. And then so so you were you were thinking originally you'd be in a career of illustrating children's books, and then yeah. just based on a suggestion, you started making these large portraits. It's
0: pretty awesome. I also had another event that triggered that. My um, my mother was is, is an artist, but she never really practiced art. Mm. But she she has a passion for art. She also was a collector, an art collector, um, and she bought me a ticket to go see a an art show in Saint Paul de Vence about with Lucian Freud and Bacon. Mm. And I was in my late twenties when I saw it, and that really stimulated me. Sure, I, I would like to do something. I mean, I, they just—you know—they really, it really made a strong impression on me, especially Lucian Freud. Awesome, awesome, yeah,
1: yeah very cool. I, so the the evolution of the artist here, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I, and as we as we hear your children in the background, that you have twin boys, you said. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I have very energetic, uh, (laughs) uh, feisty uh, twin boys. They've been in several paintings already. Awesome. Uh, They're beautiful little boys. uh, I mean, it's interesting because they are... My wife is Russian. They're real Russian from Moscow. And my children are half American and half Russian. So they have this dichotomy, you know, and they're fraternal twins. So I wish... I really wish one day you know, America and Russia can be fraternal twins too. But you know, that's a long shot. (laughs) I I love
1: that sentiment. It's right on. (laughs) Start uh, starting with
0: your kids. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. why not? They're bilingual. Also,
1: that's great. It's great. So, so very so much like just just from the just the light conversation we've had here. It's just the culturally rich experience you had. I'm sure you're. You're bringing up your children surrounded by your art and the artists you know, so a little bit of keep on passing down this experience of creating being a theme. Um, so, are you currently in Florida? Are you still in New York, residing there as well, or where where are you at now?
0: My primary residence is is Palm Beach. Uh, you know, I'm very lucky. It's very beautiful here. Yeah. Uh, as I said, it's you know it's very elitist. It's not. It's not always easy to, you know, there's certain clubs that you don't get into. uh, And I still, I mean, I am a foreigner, you know, no matter whether it's, but I think in New York, it's easier being a foreigner than than in Palm Beach or than in, you know, the rest of the country. But I, we still, I still have a place in New York City. Um, You know, I come pretty often, I will there for halloween for example nice nice Uh, i still go there but my primary residence is palm beach
1: nice nice and how long have you been down there it sounds like you're pretty established just if people you're able to call the museum and they listen to you
0: (laughs) yeah i mean but it takes time you know like everything you you have to be persistent yeah and you have to, yeah, you have to hustle, but of course you need to, like the historical society, they heard of me. They already knew about me. Yeah. So it's, it's easier. It's of course much easier That's great. when when you've been there for a while. Uh, I've been doing portrait. I've been coming back and forth to Palm Beach since, uh, since 2009, 2008. So it's, mm. you know, I, I've done many commissions here. I painted the federal judge of Palm Beach for the courthouse. Nice. And then last year I painted a, a very famous professor for the main, the only private school here, Palm Beach Day Academy, that yeah. is now in their offices. So yeah, little by little, you know, you get to be known. People know you. That's great. You, you have to build up the reputation. I mean, you things and things are never easy because you know there's always. Uh, competition. There's always a third party who tries to sabotage things, is <laughs> <Who's laughs> jealous, or who doesn't care about mm. for art. You know, it's always it's never easy, but you just have to uh, you find your way in
1: somehow. Yeah. That's great. it's great. Well, I, I love that you've yeah just forged a career, just kind of with 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 first your passion to study it, and then and then yeah listening to people's advice, and and then ultimately. I, you know, I forget, and I think many people forget that there's still um, the world of commissions, and especially in the world of, of government and 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 institutions, academic institutions, still still to want a painting rather than a photograph of someone who's either a donor or someone who's very much influential in that town. So it's it's awesome that you're the guy they go to. Love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And in the same moment, in the same breath, you're studio i'm sure is full of another painting to the to the
0: left or right that you're you of know course, your contemporary nothing, is art. nothing is finished <laughs> and everything is halfway done and I, yeah of course a typical artist studio you know it's a it's kind of a mess so. that's great it's great <laughs> nice well, mess yeah
1: yeah well i mean and in, in your your yeah. your painting tradition uh with realism and this expressionism edge um you know, the paintings are beautifully clean and surely the messes exist outside. Right. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So how did you um, how did you come to Paul Larson Gallery? And did you meet him in New York back in so, the day
0: or? So I I hung out a lot um, in the in the Lower East Side when I was uh, living in New York City. I did a few shows there at several galleries. Um, the Paul found actually found me and he actually bought a piece of mine uh for for someone else so that uh-huh. shows how, how nice he is of a person I mean yes. he didn't even buy it for himself you know he he bought it for a woman and mm. so that that was already a beautiful gesture of his uh, so I I immediately knew that he was a, a good person, a nice guy. Yeah. And I guess he followed, he's been following my work in Palm beach and seeing me uh, online. I, I get getting newsletters, uh, following social media. And that's how I I guess he, I'm very honored that he picked me as the first, uh, solo artist for his gallery. And, um, you know, I hope he will do very well with this gallery. I think he will. He's, he's very organized, persistent. He has, I think he has good taste also. And, and also he's realistic, which is not always the case for, you know, some, some art dealers or they, they don't understand how, how hard it is, you know, to, how, how fierce the competition is. And mostly they, they don't understand people don't spend money easily on arts. It's no. not, you know, it's not a priority, yeah. <laughs> especially during, uh, when the things are not going so well with the economy, you know, it's, yeah. it's, so he understands all these things. Unlike, you know, other dealers I, I met yeah. and I think he's a good guy. He's very organized. Uh, he's a very serious person and I think yeah. he will do very well. That's how I met Paul that's great. So, yeah, I I mean our I, back
1: history is uh you know, he's he's the first one ever to give me a commission as an artist and that was back when we were in high school together. Um okay. so and yeah. it just kind of kept in touch over the years and I yeah. I don't think I had known how involved with the arts and as a supporter and even his own work um that he's made paintings uh that that he was until the day I visited his uh his home and uh, yeah. saw all the wonderful things that surround him in terms of his his love of the arts and support so it's it was great to meet you know one of his his people um at, at the gallery and oh yes. you know, like make voice. this like make voice. this connection yes. like and my voice. my brother-in-law who's uh you know he's a he's a he's a carpenter but he's uh, working as an artist you know he's a pratt graduate um cory harden so it, we we just wanted to support paul and see what was going on and i tell I you saw- your, your work in that gallery just looked it was perfect fit. The way you guys hung it, the way everything about it was a great show. So it's just uh, Thank you. really nice to see you and, and see you and meet you and be a part of that experience. Obviously. Little did I know you were from Florida. <laughs> 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 I was like, wait, he's in Florida? Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I just yeah, figured no. you were a, a Jersey guy. I was like, oh, another Jersey artist or New York. <laughs> no, it, a, it was my first time in Saddle River and I, I thought it was beautiful. It was sure. Good. Yeah, it's it's a great, great space that he too. has. Yeah.
1: We'll get him on the podcast eventually.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, of course you should. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: All right. So I I love that you started us off with really just uh just a social commentary, getting a sense of your work. Um, can you explain maybe past projects that you've done and your and just your contemporary work um, beyond the commissions? Sure,
0: I did Some themes. So there's two things that come to mind. I think. Um, One of the most successful shows I had was called um, Agalmatophilia, which is the Greek for um, adoration of the statue. And it was a take on the retail windows of Soho and Madison Avenue. I I lived in Soho, and at night the windows were kind of creepy with all these mannequins. Uh, You know, once the crowds had left Soho, and the lights were were off you you would see these creepy android you know mannequins in the windows and even on Madison avenue very creepy actually very morbid uh you know uh and there seems to be some kind of cult or fascination for these mannequins i mean the, you see the people grooming them in the morning like mm, <laughs> some yeah. guys like combing the hair and dressing like petting them and so I I created a series in uh, monochromatic colors, black and white, with all these mannequins, and I they sort of look alive in that series. It's called yeah. Agaromatofilia, and then I overlaid, I, I printed some of these paintings, uh, black and white paintings of mannequins, and with di- I I created digital uh, transparent, transparent, um, Rosas like the, the symbol of Christianity. Okay. And I was trying to say that fashion is a new form of religion, a new cult. Hmm. And so it, it's a very dark series. Um, also this, this, these, are uh, these stained glass, uh, shape, the shapes of the Rosas also, is reminiscent of a retina also so I'm looking at uh, these mannequins through a a different lens through you okay. know it looks like a retina so it's it's a transformation basically of the retail windows which are supposed to be glamorous and and beautiful and it's it's really an expressionistic series about uh, fashion retail windows of Madison avenue and so it's a darker vision of the fashion world. Uh, I see it as a cult, as a scary, <laughs> you know, as some kind of cult. I mean, it's it's uh, it's crazy, I think.
1: Sure, I mean, people I yeah. know who've worked in yeah. those industries, it's definitely a, a darker place than the, the windows would provide. <laughs> right. Um, right. But for sure, I mean, I think it's an exciting industry. It's a creative industry. It's like passion, yeah. passion-filled. But uh, for sure, I, just in terms of working for that industry, I think it's a, a bit of a hellish experience. On occasions, on many occasions,
0: <laughs> I was thinking of you know, I was thinking of Lagerfeld, Chanel. It's very, it's also very black and white. Uh, you're either in the club or you're not. It's very elitist, also very elitist. It's almost uh, you know, it's a form of fascism. I think the the fashion world. It's very you see these runway shows and. I think they're frightening, and the way these mannequins, these models walk on the runway, I think it's very frightening. I don't. I I think it's dehumanizing. Where whereas they should be doing the opposite, it's kind of interesting. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that's that. That was that series, and then the other series was probably the most daring thing I've ever done. And and <laughs> I unfortunately there wasn't enough writing about it, so it kind of got lost. But okay. It was when Pussy Riot and Femin became famous. I I did a show where I um I found old posters from adult movies from the 80s like, uh like Deep Throat, uh The Green Door, uh Debbie Does Dallas, and I I recreated these posters. I recreated typography from the 80s. I did I put the same titles but i i transformed the actresses actually became the members of pussy riot and and uh and Femin. i replaced the porn actresses with the feminist activists on the posters so basically the feminists taking over um you know the actresses interesting did it, so, was, it
1: was it was the message taken the
0: right way I actually had some women who part- who got it, who were okay with it, and actually performers. Uh, I, f- I forgot the names, but there was a duo of women who actually came to perform during the opening. Okay. Uh, but it didn't get enough. I, it's also the fault of the gallery. They didn't make sure. any efforts, but... The, the, it, it should have gotten more exposure, but also it was hard because I, I'm a man, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and of course, how can a man talk about feminism? How, sure? how is it, how can this be acceptable? Yeah. So it's, it seems like, uh, so just the
1: general theme is, um, just kind of like cultural establishments, um, you know, really being a source of, uh, inspiration but at the same time uh, a an inquiry into them an investigation into them with your work um being you know questioning it you know what is this is this the ideal is this the best version of fashion industry is this the best version of entertainment you know in these old adult films and you know and then putting a counter to it you know from fashion right. fashion versus religion or, or calling fashion a cult you know very directly um and then yeah this this yeah, plus, maybe, yeah maybe
0: maybe you could say that i'm investigating extremism within these worlds like like because it's really pushed to extremes i mean uh, sure. whether it's fashion whether it's feminism whether it's palm beach you know yeah uh, yeah we're looking at extremes sure it's, yeah these are not normal normal situations i think
1: yeah. Right on. Right on. Um, Good. so this, this hints at some of the, my thinking for this season, just the idea of creating for the sake of, you know, uh, healing some of the divides. So as you're talking about, you know, elite versus you know the working class, you know, um, you know, for sure, you know, there's, there's definitely not always a bridge building easy thing that's going to happen between the elite and those who are not, but I, I guess there's a, in your work, it seems to be, uh, just a a respond to, to a voice of the people um, mm-hmm. kind of presence that, that, that would be healing, at least for those who are, you know, kind of separate from those worlds. Um, admitting, admitting, like, even, you don't really want this anyway, <laughs> you know, in your work, you, know, you don't really want this, this elite world anyway. Um, but with some question marks for sure of the, of the elite worlds. So would you say, uh, w- can you expand on that idea as, you know, what What has creating this work done for you, I guess, as a person, you know, pushing, struggling, working hard to try to make it as a creator um, and and or even the communities you're a part of or representing. Do you feel like uh, it has been a, a healing or a cathartic experience creating some of this work?
0: I've tried to do things that haven't done before. I try to think outside the box, you know, to do something new. I I would hate to do something, some something that people say, oh oh yeah, that reminds me of this, or or oh yeah, he's he did that, or she did that. You know, yeah. I try to do something new, something otherwise not interesting. I mean, if you just, I, I see some artists which are technical geniuses. I, you know, I think their work is fantastic, even in the biggest galleries. I see them, but they're just. It's just a mishmash. It's a repetition of something else that it's just slightly twisted, but it's the same thing. You know, it yes. slightly looks like Francis Bacon, but with a new slice. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. I, I want to do something different, something new that hasn't been done before. And nice. that's why I take risks. It's not always... You know, you can do this when you're very famous, when you're Jeff Koons, you can do anything you want, (laughs) but when you're not famous, you know, or not very famous, it's harder because you, you know, you don't know if it's going to be a commercial success. You don't know how, uh, if the right people, how they're going to react to it. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. so I take chances. I think all artists should do that. Otherwise there's no point to be an artist really for me. I might as well have been a chemist or you know, <laughs> a bio biologist I, I don't know I just think uh, you know you only live once and you have to you have to experiment you have to do something that you like that you think is right that you think is interesting uh, you just have to try new things it's for me it's research it's experimental yes. uh, and I, if I wasn't doing this then i I mean I would be bored if, if I was <laughs> doing something. For example, okay, I, I, I love hyper realism. Okay. I I think it's amazing. I mean I know yes. some artists are incredible. But I I could never do that just because I don't wanna copy a photo. I just don't wanna mm. do it. I, I would be bored. Yeah. If I was doing only that, I I, I I might as well do something else, really. I mean, it's, for me, it's only technical and it's just uh, showing how a great painter you are. But there's no meaning. There's no concept. There's nothing new. You know, there's a lot of hyper-realist painters who who all look the same because in the end, (laughs) they're just copying a photo. So they all look the same, you know. But maybe that's what, in the art world, people, i think some galleries and some collectors they don't want to see any uh human touch they don't want to see a personality maybe maybe i'm i don't know how do you what do you think i well i just think there's
1: i i I guess you know going back to what you previously said I, i love this idea of uh the authentic voice a voice that only you would have you know that's that's uh important as an artist to me um for sure i think there's so many different genres and worlds of art you know the uh yeah, yeah. You, you find a niche, and you know that niche uh, sh- sells, and that's why you stay in that that place. Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess the benefit you have is you have your commission work, which you know is a totally different thing from yeah. from your contemporary art. That's yeah, you know, your your voice. Um, mm-hmm. But for sure, your style and your your skill set, the craft of the painting is you know just as strong in either type of painting. Um, so it's nice that you have that as maybe your bread and butter, t- guaranteed income because um, you yeah. know you're you know you're getting paid before you even start <laughs> which is a great gift yes um, yeah, that's the advantage of commissions yes. and i guess with that it's 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 you have the right therefore to make the other work that you want to make that's that's up to you and i think even so many of the people i interview it's the idea of uh yeah you know, they chose a career yeah you know, that pays the benefits and it brings home f- food and you know money to buy and uh shelter food all those necessities and when they make work, they just make the work they want to make because nobody, they don't, they're not beholden to anyone. And so yeah. it sounds like, uh, you've had the support of galleries and representation, even to, to give you the freedom to, to do your thing, which is a great gift and the commissions to you know, make sure you have food on the table, <laughs> which is a great gift.
0: Yeah, no, I, um, I, I feel very lucky. I'm very lucky. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. So yeah. I think in the end, yeah, I I I always have felt that autonomy um, is a, is a necessity in creating art. I always try to have my voice or my signature in my work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, being a photographer it's a different thing there's so much life signature in the work but you know composition style uh, technical choices all that lighting
0: no you can always oh there's so much
1: so and then even the way you tell a story through an image so i've i've i don't know if my voice is as present in that as it is in my paintings or even in my writing you know it's like but signature i feel like yeah I feel like we each have a voice, you know and and we have a purpose in that voice to to be a present in the world. Sometimes we say stuff you know just in a conversation where you were like, Oh, I don't know if that's the way I should have said it but i think yeah. in 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 artwork um and the life that a piece has outside of us once it exists, it's almost like you can't really make a mistake if you put it out there and it's accepted by someone or anyone or a group or community of people because um it starts to have its own life, which I think is pretty powerful. So I love that. Yeah. I love that. So would you say, uh, what do you think the role of an artist is in general? Um, just in terms of this world or even America?
0: I think, I think, um, I mean, in the commercial gallery world, not Paul Larson is definitely an exception. Okay. But a lot of galleries, they have a tendency to put down the artists in order to sell cheaper or, I mean, they always blame the artists if it doesn't work out, you know, Mm. if it doesn't sell, it's always the artist's fault. (laughs) Or, and I I would tell other artists not to listen to this, you know, nonsense that follow your own voice, follow your own voice. Don't, an artist has to have a thick skin. Yeah. You know, it's not an easy profession. Uh, any creative profession is not easy, yeah. but you have to have a thick skin, you can't listen, you cannot be discouraged by sure. you know the dozens of people who are gonna say uh, that you're not good enough or that it's your fault. Fo- you know, you and you just have to be uh, very strong when you're a creative person. You can't you, you have you follow your own voice, you follow yeah. your path, and and you keep working. That's yeah. that's what I would say. I would, that's great. Great. never, never give up, never, yeah, that's a great yeah. piece of
1: advice, I love that yeah 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 i i and I feel like there's a room and there's there's a world for outside of the gallery system to be supported and to have your work shown, I mean, as you're saying, you're working with the cultural center, you're working with the historical society um yeah there's well, there's I, there's room right, so
0: well, the biggest recognition is I think is people who buy your work, you know who you get to know, yeah uh in the case of portraits it's very special because this is not a piece of art they're going to resell you know this yeah. is something they're going to that's going to stay with the family yeah with, possibly with the children probably with the children with the grandchildren yeah and so the connection that you build with a portrait with a client is in, is incredible it's, yeah. it's it's nothing like it it's it's Absolutely. not like your common artwork it's it's really special
1: so how how often are you getting just from regular people a, a request for a portrait of a family member
0: i i get about i usually get like six between six and ten every year that's great
1: yeah yeah that's great yeah i could see i mean just just from being a photographer of family events at some point in my career yeah. what a gift it was to be the first one to congratulate you know the couple when they got married or whatever i can imagine this, this this family member to be really uh, there's a desire to immortalize them or to create some sort of legacy piece in this painting that you mm-hmm. get to be the the creator of it's probably pretty wonderful of a, a connection and uh, and 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 a desire of that family for a reason you know so it's it's nice to be part of all that
0: yeah and some some cases are amazing I mean I painted a judge who who confessed to me that he gave the death penalty to some people, and he was confessing to me. I mean, mm. I was becoming the judge. <laughs> it's was very interesting. He yeah. was, you know, I felt like the judge, not not him. He, was, yeah. uh, he almost he almost sounded like he felt guilty, you know? It, yeah. it was interesting. Or another case, I mean, I had a woman divorcing who was telling me about all her problems, and and she... She's kind of interested in me. <laughs> she, she made it clear. Uh, then I also painted shrinks. I painted, um, you know, you have very interesting case. I had a, a, a man who was a Vietnam veteran also who yeah. really told me about his story and he had tears coming to his eyes uh, when he was telling me about Vietnam. And I, I think I captured this in the painting.
1: Yeah, yeah. Unless well, it's a powerful...
0: And he wanted to tell this story to his children to leave a legacy, like you said. So it's mm, great. It's basically painting lives of people uh, yeah. in one portrait. It's very interesting. Uh, Do, how
1: often um, are you working from real life? Is it is it always oh, as often that's, as possible?
0: That's a problem for me. I mean, when I was living in Europe in Paris, I I never had problems with this. I always had people. Yeah, giving me the time to sit um yeah and here people time is money here (laughs) very (laughs) few people very few people will actually sit down for the portrait and so i have to work mostly from photos but i've done so many portraits from life that i you know i almost have it in my brain i have every muscle very every facial expression is in I I know it I've seen it I've that's seen great. it so I so you know you also have similar types that come back in individuals yeah. similar faces similar muscles similar expressions so it's really about experience at some point you know it doesn't yeah. matter yeah. if it's from life or photos you just you at some point you've done so many that you kind of know what to do and how to that's
1: great that's great and it sounds like from the conversations you're having the relationship you're having with these family members or individuals who you're painting it's you build that in the emotionality which is
0: real yeah i i mean i i don't think i ever. i always try to pay an homage to the people that i paint uh it it will never be a caricature it will always have a human side and and show some emotion uh I mean, the worst for me, for a portrait artist or a figurative painter, is when there's no emotion. When, yeah. when you don't feel anything by looking at a portrait, then then I feel like there's something missing. You know, you might as well paint a corpse. Like, mm. You know, if there's no, that's what that's what it's all about. It's about the soul, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's it. I think. Even, uh-huh. even why I wanted to have this conversation with you is just whatever little connection we made, and it, it it could have been as simple as me mentioning Philip Perlstein and you saying, "Oh, I showed with him," and I mentioned oh. him because he lives in my neighborhood on weekends and summers, and yeah. just that little human connection of 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 people, yeah. and to build that into your work, it seems to be you know the goal, which is pretty
0: great. So that he's, uh, he's amazing. I mean i I admire his work. It's incredible. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah yeah it was it was an honor to to see him this past summer and show alongside him too (laughs) for a totally different reason (laughs) more more uh locality than than my skill set as an artist but but he 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 gave me a great compliment on my work this year i was very excited he said i love love what you did here i was like wow very cool so very fun well thank you so much for for doing this i I, it's great to meet you it's really interesting to just see your see your life and see what's out there about what you've done um i'd love to see uh children's books illustrated by you as well as much much more of your work in person so i hope uh there's another show up this way i can come out too and uh keep doing your thing man
0: thank you uh well i'll keep working with paul he's still going to have works at the gallery and you know we're going to build up on this this relationship great um but I I don't. It will be a while before I come back to Saddle River. I think. Sure. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But where are you located?
1: Uh I'm is? in I'm in uh, Highland Lakes, New Jersey, Vernon Township. So about 40 minutes from uh, from about Saddle River. Rivers, maybe a little longer. Okay. But um, it's great. It was great to connect this way, and for my audience, I'm sure they'll check out your work. How do we check out your work? What do, How do people follow you and see what you're
0: doing? So, they can you know, um. I have an Instagram page that's probably the best way right. it's called uh, Palm Beach Premier Portraits the, right. the Instagram page Palm Beach, Premier, Palm Beach Premier Portraits awesome or they can just Google my name Yeah, they'll find lots of stuff
1: very good well keep in touch I will keep in touch with you and uh, thank, thank, thank you very much so much, for this. So much. Yeah. Thanks for listening to it's the
0: Stolen, Stolen Hours
1: Podcast. Podcast. All right. Thank you for listening to another full episode. Just follow us on any of your favorite streaming apps, um, Stolen Hours Podcast. And you could always follow along on Instagram at the Stolen Hours Podcast, as well as online at www.stolenhourspodcast. If you want to reach out to me, your host, Dennis Delilio, feel free to email me at deliliodart at gmail.com it's D-A-L-E-L I-O D-A-R-T at gmail.com and just uh, if you could support my latest endeavor the uh, Art Barn Corridor which is the uh, just encouraging all of the people who are doing cool things in our town into Warwick and uh, Warwick, New York and Vernon, New Jersey love for a little follow there on art, at Art Barn Corridor and uh, definitely some cool things going on up here in the north country of New Jersey And uh, thank you all for being a part of it. And as always, please support Jay Agnish and his music, whose music you're hearing right now in our little outro. Um, I hear he's got a new song coming up soon. All right, take care.